I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. Jesus can help me. Jesus alone. Thank you, Brother King. Thank you, Dave Snyder. Psalm 119, verse 114. <laughs> Psalm 119, verse 114. Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. Right now, life just seems messed up to me. Without God's word, I promise you I would be afraid. Fear is in my nature. I am a, by nature a warrior. And when I look at the things that this country is facing and what could happen, I get scared. Straight up I do. God's Word brings me back. I am so thankful to God for drawing me to His Word. For 30 years, I knew it was important, but I just couldn't make myself read it. It gives me hope. We try to read your Bible every day this week. I cannot express to you how important that that is. 2 Samuel chapter 8. We're going to finish up uh, today with the purpose of success. Specifically focusing on the word dedicated. You'll see why in just a moment. 2 Samuel chapter 8, verse number 3. Just a little bit of review catches back up with what's going on in the timeline. David smote also Hadadezer, the son of Rehob, king of Zobah, as he went to recover his border at the river Euphrates. Now understanding that right here in the pink is traditional Israel. The river Euphrates now is the border of Israel based on what David has just done. Israel will only have this territory for a short period of time, but it's in fulfillment to God's promise to Moses that at its fullest extent, that's where the border's going to be. Verse 4, And David took from him a thousand chariots and seven hundred horsemen. I believe that's actually seven thousand, but we talked about that last week. It's not a contradiction, and if you if that seems strange to you, listen to the to a sermon audio from last week, you'll understand. 20,000 footmen, and David hoed all the chariot horses, but reserved of them for a hundred chariots. I need two volunteers to keep track of the, of the stuff David is about to collect. Now since Dave Snyder's our, our um, treasurer, we're going to let him be volunteer number one. And since Wade Smith is our, our uh, where are you? Clerk. Since uh, Wade Smith's the clerk, we're going to let him be volunteer number two. Gentlemen, I need you to actually write down the stuff David's going to collect in the next five minutes. Okay? Because when we get done, I'm going to ask you, and y'all numbers better match, because if they don't, we're going to audit you and then find out which one of you <laughs> is dependable as treasurer and, and uh, clerk, and which one of you uh, we got to watch out for. Okay? In a nutshell, David's about to collect a whole bunch of stuff. Okay, starting off Wade and David, he's got a thousand chariots, he's got horses, 
specifically a hundred chariots worth of horses. Now a chariot can be drawn by one horse, it can be drawn by two horses, it can be drawn by three horses. I've seen chariots drawn by four horses, but let's just be conservative and call it one horse per chariot. Okay, so we have a thousand chariots and a hundred horses. You got that, Dave and, and Wade? I'll take that as a yes. Working on it. All right. Tracy, keep an eye on him. He, he doesn't have Rebecca there to watch him. Bonnie, I know you're going to keep track of him. So now David is collecting stuff, and we're going to kind of keep track of it. Verse 5, when the Syrians of Damascus came to succor or to help Hadnezer, king of Zobah, that guy that David has just defeated. When the Syrians of Damascus came to help him, David slew of the Syrians. He slew of them 22,000 men. Now again, Damascus, right up here in this area, David is defeated all the way to the river Euphrates. So what we're doing now is we see that he's cleaning house inside this general area right there. We're not counting people, by the way, David Wade, so don't, don't, we're not collecting people. First Chronicles 18 is our parallel passage, which we saw last week, verse 5. When the Syrians of Damascus came to help, Hadarezer, king of Zobah, David slew of the Syrians, two and twenty thousand. First Kings 11 comes next chronologically. This particular part of the uh, timeline is not listed in Samuel or Chronicles. But 1 Kings does list it, referring back in history. Verse 23, the begin, uh, middle of the verse, Rezin, the son of Eladah, which fled from his lord, Hadazizer, king of Zobah. That's how we know it happens at this particular time. And he gathered men unto him and became captain over a band when David slew of them of Zobah, which goes back to our current timeline. They went to Damascus and dwelt therein and reigned in Damascus. How were they able to go to Damascus and reign there? David just cleared Damascus out. Okay? Again, this particular part just kind of gets lost in the chronology because we don't take the time to figure out what he's talking about. But in a nutshell, David goes all the way to the Euphrates River and conquers a king. In Damascus, they go to help this king, and David wipes out Damascus. Now then, this guy flees from the river Euphrates, king number one, to Damascus and takes over that area himself. Back to 2 Samuel chapter 8, verse 6. Then David put garrisons in Syria of Damascus. What did he do there? He put army posts. Okay, he literally sets up places that this is where my army is going to stay to defend the area. I don't want it to go back to this other group of people. And the Syrians became servants to David and brought gifts. Write that down, Wade and Dave Snyder. They brought gifts from Syria. Now what were those gifts? I don't know, but that's okay. We don't have to know. But we want to understand that David is beginning to pile up some stuff. And the Lord preserved David whithersoever he went. Why would God do that? God, David is doing God's work. It's as simple as that. The purpose of success is to bless God, not myself. First Chronicles 18.6, our parallel passage, David put garrisons in Syria and Damascus, and the Syrians became David's servants and brought gifts. Thus the Lord preserved David whithersoever he went. Back to 2 Samuel 8, verse 7. And David took the shields of gold. Write that down, Dave and uh, Wade. David took the shields of gold 
that were on the serpents have had a diseaser and brought them to Jerusalem. So now we've got shields of gold added in. Or Tracy, is he doing a good job? Just say no, he's probably not. But I know for a fact that they is. Wade picked on me quite a lot in Sunday school, and so I'm paying him back. If you weren't in Sunday school, you'll understand why. First Chronicles 18.7, David took the shields of gold that were on the service of Hadarezer and brought them to Jerusalem. Verse 8 in 2 Samuel 8, And from Beta and from Barathai, cities of Hadarezer, David, King David took exceeding much brass. Exceeding much brass is the next on our list. First Chronicles 18, verse 8, the parallel passage. Likewise, from Timoth and from Chun, cities of Hadarezer, David brought David, brought David very much brass. Now notice that those cities don't match. You got Beda and Barathai in verse 8 of 2 Samuel 8. You got Tippa and Chun in 1 Chronicles 18:8. Okay? Folks. This is not a contradiction in the slightest sense of the word. And I submit to you it's not a variation in spelling either. It's not two cities. It's four cities of brass. Four cities of brass. Make sure you've got four cities of brass on your lists. Not two cities. That would only be half as much. 2 Samuel 8 verse 9. When King Toy of Hamath heard that David had smitten all the hosts of Hadonezer, that's that king over by the Euphrates River. First Chronicles 18.9, when Tal, king of Hamath, heard how David had smitten all the hosts of Hadonezer, king of Zobah. 2 Samuel 8.10, then Toy sent Joram his son unto King David to salute him and to bless him, to bless is to cause to prosper. Never ever forget that. To cause to prosper. The only way we can bless God is to cause Him to prosper, which is the point of this whole series. And smitten Him. For Hadadezer had wars with Toy. So David finishes the job that Toy started, so Toy and David are now friends. And Joram brought with him vessels of silver and vessels of gold and vessels of brass. Write that down, Wade and Dave Snyder. Vessels of silver, vessels of gold, and vessels of brass. We're going to shrink that down to make room for our parallel passage, 1 Chronicles 18.10. He sent Hadarim, his son, to King David to inquire of his welfare and to congratulate him because he had fought against Hadarezer and smitten him, for Hadarezer had war with Tal, and with them all manner of vessels of gold, silver, and brass. Now notice the names there are different, Joram and Hadarim, that is a variation of spelling. Same son of the same king. What is David's total according to Dave Snyder? What is Dave's total according to Wade Smith? They match. Isn't that amazing? What's, what, what's David's total? Uh, 1,000 chariots, 100 chariots worth of horses, gifts from Syria, shields of gold from, uh, what's his face? Uh, exceeding much brass from four cities of brass, uh, vessels of silver, vessels of gold, vessels of brass. Snyder, does that match? Good. I'm going to take your word for it. That matches perfectly. David has won the lottery in a nutshell. David is becoming fabulously wealthy. Why is God causing David to prosper so much is the question we must ask. 
If we don't ask that question, then we're going to wonder, why doesn't God give me all that stuff? <clears throat> David is going to need people to keep track of it too, and David actually hires two guys. Two guys, which is why I hired two guys. You guys are not going to get paid what he got paid. But he hires two guys just to keep track of this new stuff. 2 Samuel 20, verse 24a, Adam was over the tribute. His whole job was keeping track of this stuff coming in from other areas. And that's not Hadaram, son of Troy. Don't, don't get confused on those two. And Jehoshaphat, son of Ahilud, was the recorder. Now, to give you an idea of what we just saw there, Dave Snyder is over the ties, and this guy is over, this guy's the recorder. That's why I picked those two. Okay? It's the same concept today. If you got stuff that's got to be kept track of, you have people to keep track of it. 2 Samuel 8, verse 16b, Jehoshaphat, son of Ahilud, was the recorder. Adoram's not mentioned there, but that's not a contradiction. He's just not mentioned there. 1 Chronicles 18, verse 15b, Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahilud, the recorder. Wouldn't it be nice to be so successful it takes two guys just to keep records? Wouldn't that be nice? I submit to you we are. We don't appreciate it. We're not thankful for it. But I would say the vast majority of us in this room has a bank. And you've got to balance your checkbook every month because you're just not sure how much money you've got. I would say the vast majority of us in this room has to have help doing your taxes at the end of the year. Why? Because you've got so much stuff, it's not easy to do taxes anymore. Folks, we are very, very wealthy. But we don't appreciate it. We certainly don't feel successful, but we should. I was talking to a friend of mine a while back, and he was talking about all the different things he has to get fixed at his house and how much it costs to, cost to fix all that stuff. I said, you're talking the problems of the wealthy. Poor people don't have those problems. <laughs> oh, I'm not wealthy. Okay, We measure wealth by how much we want, not by how much we have. David had two guys to take care of his money, and most of us have the exact same thing. The key is what David did with it. The key to success in stuff is what David did with it. 2 Samuel 8, 11, which also all this stuff that Dave and Wade had written down, which also King David did Dedicate unto the Lord. That's the key. With the silver and gold that he had dedicated of all nations which he subdued. Dedicated. Now what does it mean to dedicate something? It's very simple. If I'm going to dedicate this guy right here to vacuum in the room after you leave, guess who's going to vacuum the room after you leave? It's just it's very simple. <laughs> That's his purpose, is to vacuum this room. Now, if he don't vacuum the room, what am I going to do with him? I'm going to send him home to his daddy and say, listen, you got to take care of this little problem. Because he was dedicated for that purpose. Wade Smith is dedicated to record keeping. That's why we call him the clerk. Dave Snyder is dedicated to leading singing. That's why we expect him to start the service on time. 
He expects you to finish singing on time too. That's why he'll interrupt you right in the middle of it and say, y'all stand up, okay? But you're dedicated to that job. You're also dedicated to the treasury position. We expect you to do that. If you don't do it, then there are issues with it. David dedicated this stuff to the Lord. David did not spend one dime of it on himself. He didn't want to spend one dime of it on himself. He spent it for making God successful. And I submit to you, if we will do that, you'll be surprised how much of our money problems will go away. We want more money so that we can get more of the stuff that we want. Or we want to pay for the stuff that we already got that we shouldn't have gotten in the first place. Most of us just want our money problems to go away. But to actually cause God to succeed, does that actually enter our mind? Rarely. Twelve of Syria and of Moab and of the children of Ammon and of the Philistines and of Amalek and of the spoil of Hadadezer, son of Rehob, king of Zobah. That's a lot of stuff. David said, I don't consider it mine. This is dedicated to God. Shrink that down. Parallel passage, 1 Chronicles 18.11. Then also King David dedicated unto the Lord with the silver and the gold that he bought, brought from these nations, from Edom, from Moab, and from the children of Ammon, from the Philistines, and from Amalek. What would you do with a million dollars? Would you give it all to the work of the Lord? Okay, don't bring it all here. We wouldn't know what to do with it. But would you spend it all on things that God is involved in? Actual mission work. Well, I might give half of it. Well, that's a problem because David gave it all. Well, God only wants 10%. Maybe that's why God's not giving us more. It doesn't occur to us to dedicate things to God. It occurs to us to dedicate things to us. And God says, okay, fine. If you're not going to use it the way I want it used, I'll just keep it. The purpose of success is not to bless or cause to prosper ourselves. Our problem is, is we don't consider ourselves prosperous. We don't consider ourselves blessed. How many people does it take to take care of our money? If it's more than two, we're richer than David. You're kidding me. We don't have any clue how much money that we have. It's said... In a truly successful marriage, there's only one thing the two of them can't do together. In a truly successful marriage, there's only one thing the two of them can't do together, and that's decide where to eat. You know why that is? We're so successful. We're so successful. We were not created for ourselves to benefit. Revelation 4.11, which Jason read just a few minutes ago. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive. Not give. When we pray, we want God to give, 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 give. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, including me, including my stuff. For thy pleasure they are and were created. I submit to you, again, the Psalms are the key. Because David is working so hard to prosper God, God is benefiting David more and more and more to the extent that the entire nation, by about a factor of 10, multiplies in size. 
because it's all getting dedicated to God. Why don't he do that for us? He knows what we're going to do with it. We will never be happy if our goal is to be happy. I wish I could drill a hole into my own head and get that to sink in. I will never be happy as long as my goal is to be happy. Why? I wasn't created to make myself happy. I was created to make God happy. When I make God happy, He then in turn will give me joy because I'm fulfilling my purpose. I believe this is why God did not quickly defeat Saul. David spent about 15 years fighting back and forth between Saul, mainly because David refused to just kill Saul. David wanted God to take care of it. It took God a long time to do it. Why did it take so long? David needed to learn this so we could learn this. How do you think David feels? Knowing he went through all those years of struggle with Saul so you could learn something. Yay. Terrific. How do you think this kid's going to feel when he's got a vacuum in this room just so you can learn this principle? Yay. Terrific. But the purpose of success is not to, to cause Eric to prosper. The purpose of success is to cause us, God to prosper through us learning. That's the key. Dedicated. Are you dedicated to these people? I'm going to take that as a no. Are we dedicated to God? <laughs> That's the real question. That's the real question. The purpose of success is to bless or cause to prosper God. He can bless or cause to prosper that. Let that sink in. Just, just. If my purpose is to cause him to prosper, that's something he can cause to prosper. But let's go ahead and think it through. If I work to get him stuff, but then I don't get to keep that stuff, what's the point? At that point, we're, it's an endless cycle. We're never going to get there. He's never going to bless it because he knows we're not going to use it right. Okay? The trick is, is we've got to understand why we were created. Most people have no idea why they were created. That's why they are so miserable in everything that's going on in the world because it's so depressing. This is bad, and this is bad, and this is bad, and this is bad. Well, what if God wants every bit of it? What if God wants coronavirus? How could God want coronavirus? Read your Bible. God does stuff like this all the time. If my goal is to be happy, never going to do it. Not going to happen. God can bless me so that I can bless Him. That's the key. But God does not usually measure success in stuff. God does not usually measure success in stuff. John 9 is about a man born blind. He's a man, so he's been blind since he's a lot, since he's been born. A man born blind. Do you remember why he was born blind? They actually asked the question, why was he born blind? Was it something he did wrong or was it something his parents did wrong? 
John 9 is about a man born blind just so the Pharisees would argue over how he got healed. That's the whole purpose. This guy is born blind from birth. He didn't get to see anything until the day that Jesus healed him just so the discussion could be made over how he got healed. Now that's something that caused God to prosper. Made it in your Bible. Did the guy prosper? Well, if you look at the fact that he got better, yes, but he spent the whole first part of his life blind. Yay! Would he rather have had his sight the whole time? Of course he would. But that's not his purpose. His purpose was not to make himself happy or else he's just going to be miserable. His purpose is to make God happy. He did, in fact, make God happy. Everyone succeeds. Success in Job's life was sickness. Job did not want to succeed in that way. Philippians 4. Turn there, I want you to see this. Philippians 4. Where's your Bible? You got a Bible? We need to get this kid a Bible. You got one at home? Okay, start bringing it. Bring it with you. I want you to. There's certain things I want you to see in your Bible just so you can see, wow, it really says that. Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Okay? Very, very, very popular verse. You're going to laugh at this. It's not intended to be funny. Okay? There are people who tattoo this verse on them because their life is so difficult they feel like only with God's help can they actually accomplish anything. So actually put the tattoo on them. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. With God's help, I can succeed. The previous verses though, the verses that come before verse 13 are not so popular. Let's look at verse 11. Just two verses earlier. Paul says, not that I speak in respect of want or literally of need. I'm not speaking because I'm needy. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Verse 12, I know both how to be abased. How to be abased? What does that mean? To be put down? I know how to be put down? Because I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I know how to not get what I want, because I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. He goes on to say, I know how to abound. Now this is the part we all want. We want things to go well. Okay. In the political climate we're in right now, there's a lot of people hate it and a lot of people love it, but those same people four years ago were exactly doing the opposite. I mean, literally, the people that were sad four years ago are happy now. The people that are, are, are happy are sad the other way around, just like I said that, okay? <laughs> they, what, how do, I know how to abound, okay? Well, that's easy. Okay? Look at the rich people who die because of drugs because they are never told no. They don't know how to abound. They can't do all things. They think they can try. They make it look good, but inside they're still empty. Stuff will not make me happy. I wasn't created to be happy by stuff. He goes on to say, 
I know how to abound everywhere in all things. I am instructed both to be full. How many of you are still full from th from Thanksgiving? Okay, but that's that's what you do, right? This is what you do. The big thought this year about Thanksgiving is they didn't want me to go to Grandma's house, and I don't like that. Very little thanking was being done this year. It was more griping because I didn't get to do it the way that I wanted to do it. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Being full, that's something that's not as easy as you think. Why? You get full too much, next thing you know, you can't move. There's people that die from being too full. And to be hungry. I'm instructed on how to be hungry. This is the guy that wrote half the New Testament. How did he learn to be hungry? God sent him there. God sent him into hunger so that he could learn, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Again, this verse is used to say that whatever I want to do, if Jesus makes me able, I can. But what if it's what he wants you to do and it's being hungry? I know how both to abound because I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me and to suffer need. I can do all things if that's what God wants me to do. Why? My job is not to become happy. If my goal is to become happy, I'll never, ever, ever get there because I wasn't created for that. For thy pleasure. They are and were created. My job is to cause God to prosper. Success is making God prosper. Acts chapter 7, turn here. This one here is a big one. Acts chapter 7. <clears throat> verse 54 is where we're going to start. Acts chapter 7, verse 54. This is Deacon Stephen. He wasn't even what you call a full-time pastor. He was just a layman. Average guy, but he liked to preach. And he was in, toward the end of a sermon. And he's about to get the invitation. He's getting to me. This sermon is a sermon that you put in the Bible. Invitation time. Verse 54. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. It worked! His message got across, which is what every preacher wants. We want you to take what we prepared and then go and do something with it. What they do with it? They gnashed on him, that's Stephen, with their teeth. They gnashed on him. I don't think y'all got the message the way I intended it. Let's calm down now. Imagine the congregation is so angry at you that they gnash on you with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. How would you like to see that? Okay. Be careful. You might have to do what He has to do now. Then they cried with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord, all angry mob, and cast him out of the city and stoned him. What does it mean he was stoned? You take stones and you throw it at him until you die. Get thrown at you until you die. 
And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Stephen didn't die instantly. Stephen knew death was imminent. And he called out to God as he was dying. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice saying, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep or he died. Was Stephen successful? How much stuff did he have? Well, did his candidate win the election? Did he have any sick friends that God just wasn't listening to him on? Read Fox's Book of Murders. It's online and free. If you've never read Fox's Book of Martyrs, you need to read Fox's Book of Martyrs. Did you know there's a uh, modern English version of it, just like there is in modern Bibles, there's modern boxes. It's actually, uh, it's, it's disturbing because you understand all the stuff. The original Fox's Book of Martyrs reads like the King James Version. You've got to think about the big words. The updated version of it, you actually understand what happened to these early Christians. Read the Trail of Blood. Oh, yes. It's online and free. Mm-hmm. A life dedicated to God is much more successful than stuff dedicated to God. But what can he do with both? What can he do with both? Well, I don't have any stuff. Do you have to have a bank to keep track of it? You got stuff. Do you have to have somebody help you with your taxes? You got stuff. Psalm 103, I believe, was written in the time frame of David and Wade and Dave Snyder collecting all the stuff for David. The Psalm of David, I believe David writes it again at this time. Verse 1, Bless the Lord, O my soul. How can I bless God? He's got everything. Cause Him to prosper. Cause Him to prosper. As David is collecting all the stuff, as David is dedicating the stuff to God, he's causing God to prosper. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless His holy name. He's saying my whole life is dedicated to God. That's its purpose, is to cause Him to prosper. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. This is a verse that Dad used a few weeks ago in his message on the benefits of being a Christian. I can't remember the exact title, but there's something like that. Blessing or causing to prosper God must be our goal. Ending our problems cannot be our goal because there's always going to be more after them. He will help us help Him. He will. But He understands a lot of the time we're not trying to help Him at all. We're trying to help us. And we can't figure out why He won't help us help us. It's not what we were created for. Ask Stephen. 
Did God help Stephen help God? Yep. Absolutely. But could God not have made the rocks fall to the ground? Now let's think about this for a second. People are throwing rocks at Stephen. Could God just make the rocks just fall to the ground? And Stephen said, you can't hurt me. God's on my side. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Throw another one. Here I am, praise God. Wouldn't that have been more successful? No. You know why? Because it's not what we experience in real life. Typically what we experience in real life is difficulty that doesn't go away. And God wants us to learn how to prosper in the problem. That's the purpose of the benefits. is for us to help God help God. Well, that just seems kind of unproductive. If my goal is to be happy, I'm never going to get there. Bless the Lord, O my soul. He doesn't say enjoy the benefits. He doesn't say let the benefits get bigger and bigger and bigger so that when they're finally too big, I'll start giving a little bit away because it's too big. There's a story in the Bible about that, by the way. I got so much stuff, I got to build a bigger room to keep it. Okay? At that point, you got way too much stuff. It's the purpose of success. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities? Who healeth all thy diseases? Who redeemeth thy life from destruction? Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies? Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles? All these are genuine benefits. Forgiveth thine iniquities. Isn't that a benefit? Hey, if he didn't do that, we burn in hell. That's a benefit. Oh, yeah. Who healeth thy diseases? Is that a benefit? Well, what about my mom's disease? My mom died of cancer. Did he heal her? Does she have it now? Well, doesn't the same thing happen to non Christians? A non Christian who dies with cancer. We would say God healed their disease. Yeah, but where'd they wind up? I think they'd rather have the cancer. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction, purchases your life from destruction, crowneth thee with loving kindness. Literally saying you don't have to vacuum the auditorium. Imagine things God could insist that we do. He could and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. So what if it happens when we lead this life? How much better is it then? All these are genuine benefits causing success even for Stephen. Even for Stephen. Even for my mom. Even for the people that didn't get their way during the election. Even for people who have coronavirus. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment. Always replace judgment with justice. justice for all that are oppressed. You say there's justice in this world? Because there's about half the world saying there's no justice in this world. I submit to you there is justice in this world. Maybe men don't bring it, but God eventually does. Mm -hmm. 
He made known His ways unto Moses, His acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. Say, I don't like what's going on right now. Be glad we don't get what we deserve. Amen. Amen. He will not always chide, neither will He keep His anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward him that fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath He removed our transgressions from us. All these are genuine benefits causing success even for Stephen. I submit to you, had Stephen not had every single one of these, he wouldn't have saw Jesus standing anywhere. Well, Stephen was a good guy. He stood up for God without having God not chiding with him because he did commit some sins. God could have been angry at Stephen for the few sins that he did commit. He's not dealt with us after our sins. Even Stephen committed sins. Oh, he was a good guy. He needed Jesus as much as you do. Right. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Why don't he fix the problem? Maybe it's because he knows what we'll do if we if he fixes the problem. Maybe because he knows what we'll do. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth we are dust. What do we do with dust? Same thing you're going to have to do. <laughs> he remembereth that we're dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. I don't know if you notice the field across the street that's got flowers in it. It's so pretty. When DJ mows it, they're going to be gone. So get a good look today. For the wind passeth over it, it is gone. Gone. The place thereof shall know it no more, or more importantly, care about it no more. That field's had millions of flowers in it. We don't care. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear Him. His righteousness unto children's children. You ever think about His kids? You ever feel sorry for them? You should. You imagine calling Him Daddy? Oh, man. Okay? Your kids need God's mercy. Trust me. Okay? Dad talks about me and when I was a kid and different bad things that supposedly I did. I'm a grandpa now. Can you imagine calling me grandpa? Yeah, you wish you could. <laughs> <laughs> to such as keep His covenant and to those that remember His commandments to do them. All these are genuine benefits causing success even for Stephen, even for us who don't have as much stuff as we think success should bring us. The Lord hath prepared His throne in the heavens and His kingdom ruleth over all even now. Get used to the term President Biden. Because if you're going to obey God's Word, you've got to pray for President Biden. Amen. Get used to the term Vice President Harris. 
Because if you're going to obey God, you've got to pray for them. That's right. Like it or not, I don't feel very successful. <laughs> Scripture says I am. It says I am. Bless the Lord, ye His angels, that excel in strength, that do His commandments, hearkening unto the voice of the Lord, causing Him to prosper. Causing Him to... That's an angel's whole job. If an angel ever stops doing what God tells him to do, he becomes a demon. Forever, ever separated from God. Their whole job is to cause God to prosper. What makes us better than them? Well, I want more stuff. I don't like where I live. I don't like this or that. What could we do for God in that situation? Bless you, the Lord, all ye His hosts, ye ministers of His, that do His pleasure. That's not preachers. That's servants is what that word actually means. Bless the Lord all His works in all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. All of these benefits are to cause Him success. Is my life dedicated to the success of Jesus? Oh well, yes. Absolutely. I'll never forget an illustration that I heard years ago. He said, let's use your checkbook as evidence. Does it show that your life is dedicated to Jesus or to something else? Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for revealing to us the purpose of success. Thank You for revealing to us what success really is. The Father, we must admit, in our flesh, in the times we're living, it, we, I don't feel successful. I really don't. Thank You for Your Word that brings me back to reality. Thank You that forever ago, before You said, let there be light, You decided You was going to make me one of Yours. And then you made me. And you put up with me. And you're patient with me. And you nudge me along in the right direction. Thank you for loving me. What more in the world could I possibly want? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, you're dismissed.